Palmdale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop here on another wild, whimsical Wednesday, friends, for Torch Report 381, the globalist agenda reveal. Dun, dun, dun! You know, today I'll be exposing some uh, specific examples of the globally orchestrated authoritarian control, the takeover of our everyday lives. Today, I'm going to pretend like I haven't spent the last two years buried in research reporting on the secret global cabal that is actively trying to enslave us all. Why am I going to pretend that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about? Because, you know, talking about the secret cabal trying to enslave us all, it just sounds so, what do we say, uh, extreme? <laughs> so I want to try to kind of approach this as as a middle-of-the-road peasant, a person who's just kind of curious uh, what's going on. I'd like to pretend I'm a curious person who accidentally stumbled upon some new information and discovered there's more going on than meets the eye. Zoinks, what's happening? here. Now, in that mindset, it all started with this interesting trend I've been observing. Uh, the Biden administration, they, they've kind of moved from banning gas vehicles, banning gas cook stoves, to now they're trying to ban gas furnaces. That was an article out today. You know, the Biden administration is going to ban gas furnaces. And it's fascinating when you think about that they're actually going to try to target gas furnaces amid the uh, the stove crackdown because 40 to 60 percent of people use this to to keep themselves warm at night. Now, as I'm looking at that as a casual observer, it clearly appears they are concerned about climate change. Surely these progressive stalwarts of, of liberal ideology, they care about climate change. I understand that. But but the timing of the rollout, the sequence of the rollout, hmm, you know, it makes me very, very curious because Banning gas vehicles is going to significantly restrict our mobility. There's really no getting around that. Uh, banning gas cook stoves is going to impact how we consume our food. You know what I mean? Banning gas furnaces is going to translate into some cold, dark nights for some people, especially those people that can't go out there and, and get themselves a new electric setup or what have you. Now, of course, I understand some people are excited about all of this electrification of society. There are people who believe that electric vehicles and electric stoves and electric heat is going to make all of these concerns a mute point. Like, oh, don't worry about it. We've got electric everything, you know? And of course, people who believe that, they also believe that all of this going green is going to save the planet. So it makes them feel like a good person to save the planet by getting electric vehicles and electric stoves and having electric heat. However, I contend that regardless of what they believe, that does not make sense. It doesn't add up. It just doesn't make make sense. You know, how does scrapping billions of perfectly functional appliances, how is that good for the environment? I mean, honest question. Come on here. How is placing that much more demand? You know, if we go gas, gas cars, gas stoves, gas heat, I mean, sorry, electric vehicles, electric stoves, electric heat. If we go that way. Putting that much more demand on the already faltering electric grid, how is that going to work exactly? Remember when California had to issue the emergency alert to, to tell people not to charge their electric vehicles so that their electrical grid did not collapse? That was right after they announced that everybody had to get electric vehicle. Everybody, you got to get electric vehicle, but don't charge it because it's going to make the grid collapse. You see what I'm saying? 
I mean, it's the height of irony, is it not? Furthermore, you know, all of I just I'm a curious citizen. I'm trying to process this. All of these targets are aiming to complete this electrification of society sometime between 2030 and 2050, depending on your country and all this, per the UN Sustainable Development Goals, Agenda 2030, the Paris Climate Accord, and all of that. Now, the question is, it's fair to ask, is it even possible to achieve these ambitious goals by then? Is it possible? And then, is it wise to even try? Well, I don't know if it's possible, but we should certainly try to save the planet. Is that a wise statement? Is it wise to try? I mean, think about it. How much deep earth mining, how much you know, extracting of rare minerals, raw materials, and heavy industrial processing of these precious natural resources would it take to make all of this happen? Fair question, right? I mean, how much transportation of these resources, how much construction, and how much pollution would all of this cause? Doesn't the whole process of electrification, you know, the building of the infrastructure, the manufacturing of the batteries, et cetera, et cetera, doesn't it seem like that would significantly outweigh any potential positive impact? Just looking at it logically, right? Like, ah, uh, you weigh it out, man, that's a lot of pollution to try to get a little positive impact here. And then, of course, you know, it would massively spike the output of harmful emissions in the short term. It would significantly deplete the limited resources in the short term. But what about the long term? Maybe in the long term, it pays off, right? Wrong. <laughs> Matter of fact, I saw a YouTube video one time talking about that. Uh, the long term, it doesn't pan out either. But just about because just about the time everyone had to have everything electric, then the batteries are going to need to be replaced. The grid would need to be updated and so on. And that would require the whole process of electrification to start over again, wouldn't it? I mean, just thinking rationally here. So to me, as a curious person, it does not seem logical to think that all of this so-called electrification is going to solve anything. It's certainly not going to reduce pollution. I mean, think about all the waste. It's ridiculous. And thus, I mean, there's really no rational reason to think that any of this is going to benefit the planet in any way whatsoever. Uh, I understand that many, many people disagree, but I'm just saying, logically, it doesn't make sense. And of course, that begs the question then, well, if it's not going to benefit the planet, then what is this... Electrification, what's it really all about? You know, what's really going on here? And again, as just a casual observer, it doesn't make any sense. And, and so I went looking for answers and I started really thinking it through. And top of mind, I was wondering, where are all of these ideas coming from anyway? I mean, if you think about it, most people aren't sitting around thinking about getting rid of their favorite car or their furnace or their gas cook stove. You know, similarly, most people aren't sitting around thinking about how they can save the planet or electrify society. So where do these ideas come from? Who is behind these ideas? Who is pushing these ideas? Who benefits from these ideas? Hmm. Now, who is demanding that everybody on the planet accepts these ideas? These are just a few of the questions going through my mind. And in the spirit of pretending to be a casual observer, I won't say that it's the global cabal. It's the global cabal. Um, but, but since this craze, you know, it, pretending that I don't know about the global cabal. Pretend that you don't know about the global cabal. You know, just kind of follow the logic here. Since this craze over 
electrification seems to be a worldwide phenomenon, it seems like there has to be some sort of like globally coordinated messaging campaign. You know what I mean? Like they got to get this message out all around the world because it's happening all around the world. So naturally, that led me to look into organizations like the United Nations and the World Health Organization and the World Economic Forum, because these are worldwide organizations and there's this worldwide electrification thing going on. So why not look there, you know, and looking into that, it seems like, wow, all these guys, they're, they're presenting a unified message on the importance of sustainability for the sake of saving the planet. That's interesting. You know, wow. World Health Organization, United Nations, World Economic Forum, etc. They're all presenting this unified message, you know, the importance of sustainability for the sake of saving the planet. And when I realized that, that's when things started clicking together. I realized I, in the research, as I was digging in, I got links here in the report. Friends, I say the torch report is the truth you can trust, not because I'm asking you to take my word for it, but because I do an obscene amount of research to present you with the information you need to develop your own informed perspective. So if you have the time and you're curious as I am, then click on the links in the report and dig in a little bit deeper. So it turns out that the World Health Organization, the WHO, has a global plan for the decade of action. That's the decade of action from 2021 to 2030. And that global plan for the decade of action, it strongly pushes the need, in their words, to rethink mobility. Hashtag rethink mobility. Now, hashtag rethink mobility. That doesn't sound so bad, but hey, what the heck? You know, what is this rethinking mobility all about? They calculate that, quote, more roads with more lanes equal more cars. Boom! I mean, these people are brilliant. More roads, more lanes, more cars. And then they state that, quote, such expansion is unsustainable, period, end quote. Now, obviously, you know, the WHO is claiming that we, you know, we can't keep going the way that we are. We can't just keep making more cars and having more people driving around on more roads. It's, it's unacceptable. They say that, that the world pays an unacceptable toll for our mobility. That's a direct quote. They suggest that modern mobility, meaning people driving their cars and polluting the planet, leads to some 1.3 million deaths, over 50 million injuries each year, and all of the driving around leads to heart and lung disease and poor air quality. And I want to emphasize poor air quality because it, we're gonna, it's going to tie into what we're talking about today. The solution, according to the WHO, is to put safety first. And I'm going to read a little excerpt here from their decade of action. The global plan says, quote, governments everywhere need to act on making vehicles and roadways safe. Pause. You know, when I'm driving through my driveway or through a, in, in my little dinger bell, my car, ding, 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 put on your, put on your seatbelt, ding, ding, you got to be safe, ding. I'm like, listen, I'm just going across the yard. I don't need to put on my seatbelt. It's dinging at me. It's driving me nuts. Anyway, continuing on. Governments everywhere need to make sure that vehicles and roadways are safe. Making way for safe walking and cycling can impact favorably on health and the environment. Meaning you don't need a car. You can just walk or bike wherever you need to go. And that allows people to reap the rewards, they say, of being physically active and breathing clean air. In addition, the global plan highlights that a shift towards people-centered roads and road networks, those that are planned and designed and built and operated to eliminate risks, would save lives. You see, the global plan is being designed to eliminate risk and keep people safe 
and that would save lives. They go on to say, such roads consider, uh, first and foremost, those most at risk for injury. So this whole planning and designing phase, if first and foremost, they consider that people who are most at risk for injury, children and adolescents and people with disabilities and pedestrians and cyclists and, and users of public transport, we got to keep people safe. And they say at its best Mobility can help drive positive social change in many areas of society. Wow. Period. End quote. At its best, mobility can help drive positive social change in many areas of society. Now, what is not directly stated in the above excerpt there is the elimination of gas-powered vehicles and stoves and such, but it's implied in the vision and it's found elsewhere in their plans, I assure you. Uh, but interestingly enough, I mean, we're, we're reading the WHO's you know, plan for road safety and all of that, and the United Nations is pushing the exact same plan. It's the, it's the decade of action, the global plan for a decade of action, exact same plan, as it ties directly into their sustainable development goals. So the WHO and the UN are pushing the same exact, same exact agenda. And the point here is that both organizations are working toward what they call the common agenda. It's our common agenda. And as a matter of fact, uh, our common agenda is predicated by <laughs> our global neighborhood. If you're uh, looking at the video here, you can see our global neighborhood. That's where it all starts. At any rate, it's, it's the collectivist mindset. The WHO is approaching the common agenda from the, from the angle of public health and safety. The UN is approaching the common agenda from the angle of sustainable development. So if we take it a step further here and kind of connect some dots between these global initiatives and, and U.S. federal policy, uh, the Biden's policies and all that, it should be obvious where the Biden administration is getting their ideas. Hence the sock puppet in the Oval Office just falling in line with the globalist agenda. In fact... In fact, the WHO and the UN, they just released a report. It was just yesterday, June 6th. They released a report that indicates they are not on track to reach the sustainable development goals, specifically goal number seven, which includes the electrification of society. So they're really, they're kind of frothing at the mouth. They're very upset and in a huff because they're not going to meet the goals. We're not going to be able to, uh, you know, electrify society. And the reason that they're not Meeting the goal is largely because there are some 2.3 billion people on the planet who are reliant on, quote, harmful cooking fuels, end quote. Hence, the Biden administration's uh, attempt to try to ban gas stoves. Friends, it's, it's the connection there should be very, very clear. Here's the U.N., the WHO. They're saying we're not going to meet the goals because 2.5. 3 billion people are using harmful cooking fuels, and now we have the Biden administration trying to ban gas cook stoves. Another key realization here that I want to point out is that all of these initiatives, they say, quote, help drive positive social change in many areas of society. And if you think about what that means, in other words, you know, they are changing public habits. They're shaping public perception, perspectives in a way that's, you know, they, they've arbitrarily deemed it to be positive. Oh, it's 
positive social change. While skeptics would be quick to point out that all of this positive social change ultimately restricts our individual liberties, it restricts our freedom of movement, it restricts how we can cook our food, and of course it gives the government more and more control over how we live our lives. And that's really the whole point of the entire agenda. It's all about control. And just as a curious person, you can come to that conclusion just by looking at what's going on here. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to to conclude that they're trying to take control over our lives. That's what they're doing, period, you know? So while the UN and the WHO continue to push their agenda, the Biden administration continues to adopt it. And while all that's happening, the international banksters are licking their chops at the thought of all of the profits. Somebody's going to make some money here. And it sure as hell isn't going to be the peasants, okay? In reality, friends, if you really dig into it, the uh, the central bankers are the ones who are bankrolling all of this so-called sustainable development. It's, it's kind of, there's two things happening at once. It's a redistribution of wealth at the global level, but it's also a consolidation of power and control. So their plans, the global bankers, the World Bank specifically, their plans are, and they're always cloaked in altruistic trappings, you know, but the World Bank, they just put out a report. It's a 354-page report. So take your time chewing on that one. It's titled Thriving, Making Cities Green, Resilient, and Inclusive in a Changing Climate. Ah, isn't that nice? You know, the World Bank 354-page report, Making Cities Green, Resilient, and Inclusive in a Changing Climate, it makes it abundantly clear that they intend to pay for the science, okay? They're going to fund the science, the research, that, and then control the flow of information to direct everybody to that science, and then they're going to write public policies based on that science, and then they're going to demand international compliance with that science under the auspice of saving the planet, the great climate agenda. And of course, anyone who doesn't fall in line with what the World Bank science says, then they're not going to get the money, period, you know? It's a kind of a quid quo pro, just like good old Joe. Uh, Now, the World Bank states that, quote, when it comes to emerging climate risks, perception versus reality is important. It is not only access to information that matters, but also how that information influences behavior and policymaking, period, end quote. I mean, obviously, people need to be getting the right information so they can start making the right decisions, you know, like getting rid of their gas cars, gas stoves, gas furnaces, etc., in order to save the planet, in order to enrich the elite and further fund the consolidation of power at the global level. I mean, at least that's my personal interpretation as a mere ignorant peasant. But when it comes to emerging climate risks, keep... Perception versus reality is important. Friends, I could unpack that statement for a, a long time. Remember, they're using the World Health Organization is using algorithmic social in- interventions to control emerging public perceptions. Okay, so we see emerging and perceptions here in the same statement. Same. Okay. So anyway, this this issue of Perception versus reality is also very central in the World Economic Forums. Recently uh, uh, put out Digital Safety Risk Assessment, which was put out in May. Anyway, the WEF's Digital Safety Risk Assessment, they're assessing how to keep people safe in the digital world. It essentially is a 50-page justification for more government censorship. 
you know, that way they can ensure that the public can only get the right sort of information that supports the right sort of social change. And friends, having dug through all of this, when I saw headlines out today about New York City having the most polluted air of any city on Earth and how the Canadian wildfires have led to air quality alerts in 13 different states, my mind skips to the big picture as presented by the globalists. Now, I took a little screenshot from the World Health Organization's website here. Friends, if you're listening on a podcast platform, just go to the report. You'll see it here. Okay. The big picture, those are their words. They say the big picture is catalyzing cooperation on air pollution for better health. Okay. Is that they're catalyzing cooperation on air pollution. And so I saw that and it makes me wonder if this catalyzing cooperation on air pollution has anything to do with the headlines about, you know, New York having the worst air quality in the world and all that kind of stuff. I mean, come on, you know, I, it makes me wonder. I'm curious. Surely the massive Canadian wildfires just spontaneously sprung up, right? And they're only coincidentally driving the worst air pollution on the planet at the exact same time that the sock puppet administration is aggressively pushing the globalist agenda to get rid of gas powered everything in order to reduce air pollution. I'm sure that's just a coincidence to connect the dots and try to suggest otherwise would be pure conspiracy. But it is a curious coincidence, is it not? I don't know, friends. Stay curious. And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time, click the email, go to the website, click the heart, and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this wild, whimsical Wednesday. Stay wise, friends. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.